right, episode six of the Creator Podcast, and this is exciting because we have a two-parter. We have an interview that dates uh, way back <laughs> to, we think, October 2017, <laughs> a young adult retreat um, at the Wonderland Conference Center in Massachusetts, and outside worship were the, um, were the worship leaders, were the guests. Uh, do you remember who else were was at that young adult retreat? Yeah, I was there. Um, <laughs> that was one. We had some uh, wonderful uh, guests. The name's escaping me right now, but I'll uh, I never forget. Oh, was a it Jim Sparks? Storyteller. Jim Sparks. Mm-hmm. No, could have been. Yeah, no, no. Guy from California. Like I just know that he was telling. He was he was a fantastic storyteller. Yeah, white guy, dark hair. That could be anybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Jim Sparks. Anyway, he doesn't figure into this interview, and we'll just cut all that out. Right you, you, ju- you just described Gronk. <laughs> have the Patriots. Sorry about that. So this interview is with Phil Lager and Marty Michaels and Anna Street, who make up Outside Worship. And we spoke for about an hour. It was um, in probably what Outside Worship would have preferred would have been nap time during a busy uh, busy weekend of leading worship. But I uh, got them to sit down. They were together as Outside Worship for about a year at that point. Uh, so we had a, a conversation that ranged on a lot of different topics. Some of it was just sort of what outside worship is all about and the responsibility that it is to be a worship leader. We got into some conversation about how they work together as a group. Uh, Anna, Phil, and Marty have known each other for 20 plus years. And we also talked about uh, where they fall on the creative continuum. Uh, I told a, tell a funny story about uh, working with Phil in an office and uh, how unsuited he was to that. <laughs> Um, and then we got into how parenting has uh, changed their worship leading. That was a, a fascinating discussion, and, and that kind of, I think, will round out our part one here. Anything stick out to you in uh, in this conversation with outside worship? I think the the thing that jumps out toward to, to me, anyway, uh, is the parent aspect uh, of what worship and career uh, means from the parental perspective, because you, you know, as an officer, um, I'm in charge of a lot, have a lot of responsibility, but I'm the, the folks that come with me, no matter where I am, is my family. And all the things that I get involved in, uh, what's their role in those things? Even in my creativity, what role uh, do they play? So it was interesting to hear, you know, uh, Anna's perspective on that. Um, I, I only have the perspective of a father. And um, so it's, it's always interesting to hear others' uh, perspective. And then just to really, when you hear them discuss uh, what they bring to the group and uh, the different things they, they add to each other, and how well they blend, even being so different. It, it, it's fascinating just to see them interact, you know, because I, yeah. uh, I've gotten a couple of other opportunities just to just to sit down with them, and it's um, it's funny. There's always a lot of laughter, um, some oh, yeah. some gentle ribbing, uh, but but they know each other very very well, and I think that's such an asset when it comes to the worship leading side is that they have that deep knowledge and that deep trust with each other. And that's not something that every worship band, you know, kind of kind of gets. A lot of the worship groups that I've played in over the years, it's like somebody moves away. You know, Jimmy quit. Josie got married. Should have known we'd never get far. Um, so, what a tune! What a tune! 
you know, so, you know, Marty mentioned something similar to what you're discussing now that the uh, listeners are going to be able to hear. And I think he really sums it up really well in terms of um, how the chemistry developed over distance even. And I think that really enhances their worship, uh, what they offer. Um, whenever you bring four creatives together in that, in that way, uh, for outside worship, you got, you got Marty, you got Anna, you got, you got Phil, Phil's hair, just you bring all those things together. I was trying to figure out who the fourth member was. Got it. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. He changes it every single picture. (laughs) It's true. Uh, and I'm just jealous because uh, my hair is not that changeable anymore. So, you know, I, I don't really have that opportunity. Um, That's why we got Sharpies. <laughs> oh, I also wrote down in my notes uh, that the listeners will want to pay attention for how long it takes for Phil to quote Keith Green. Um, <laughs> so, so that'll be a fun game as people listen along. So that will be part one, which we're going to air this week. And then the plan is to come back with part two next week. Uh, so before we jump into that uh, interview with Outside Worship, I figured we would uh, take the pulse. Let's take the pulse. And um, I'm, I'm playing around with some um, creative uh, <laughs> some bits here. Um, I, I introduced one last week and uh, I have some other ideas for ones I might introduce. One, one of the things I realized is I'm not that good at transitions in podcasts. I need to, uh, I need to up my transition <laughs> game because it, it could, you know, really confuse the listener when um, you don't sort of prepare them for the fact that you're going to drop a little bit with a bunch of movie lines in it. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's it's a it's a learning curve, and we're still growing as a team here. <laughs> That's true. And uh, we got some distance between us too, but we're getting there. Oh, speaking of bits, I was playing around with the uh, the Anchor app, so we we um, would not be able to do this if it weren't for Anchor, which is this free uh, platform from Spotify, Anchor.fm. Highly recommend it, but um, I had never uh, jumped into their little transitions library and their little sound effects library. So let me just play a couple for you here. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Yeah, well, you should like it. Uh, It's called Captain. Um, So, you know, it it fits you. I I don't know what that noise has to do with being a captain, but but that's what it's called. It's called Captain. And that's right in here um, if if we ever wanted to incorporate, you know, some of this stuff. Well, fun fact about the word Captain, it's synonymous with the djembe. So you can get that in there. (laughs) That must be it. That must be it. Oh, this is a, here's a Tom Brady sound. Oh, yeah, there you go. A cheating goat. Did I say that? Who is your football team? I was thinking about that the other day. My football team is whatever team is buying toys for my community at Christmas. (laughs) So (laughs) at this very moment, go Browns. No, my football team, I've always, like, I'd say since I was about seven, I've always followed the uh, Denver Broncos. It was uh, right around that time they had Ed McCaffrey, who's my all-time favorite player, uh, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, and John Elway. Watch me! Watch me! I got it! Watch me! Taking the pulse. What are you watching? Right now, we are watching The Masked Singer. Um, that's been fun to do. Uh, we've completely cut cable, so we stream everything. And so we get to watch it the day after. Got it. And uh, we, we watched it today, and, and it was good. I'm not going to spoil it just in case by the time someone listens to this, they haven't caught up. 
I don't know who wouldn't have by then. But we're watching The Masked Singer. We're watching uh, the series Castle Rock, uh, which we we really enjoyed. Uh, Dustin from Stranger Things has a prank show on Netflix, and so we've been watching that too. It's been it's pretty good. Nice. Uh, I feel like I would watch that kid read uh, IKEA instructions and be entertained. He's just uh, he's one of those people. Uh, I'd love to see him get into an argument with Conor McGregor. I don't know why, but I just think it'd be great for TV. Well, I am enjoying uh, what they have announced as the final season of Mr. Robot. Rami Malek and Christian Slater, Sam Esmail show, and uh, it's like very few other things on television. And uh, really enjoying it. Have you caught any of Mr. Robot? I haven't. I haven't seen a single episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. A lot around the response to corporate America, and you know, Mr. Robot's a hacker, and uh, but it's also a family drama. Uh, really good characters, and Rami Malek is just like unbelievable actor. I, I love him so. So I was way off on what I thought it was about. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, I thought he was like an artificial intelligence. No, no. That was, so yeah, I was. No, way the off, the name but, uh, actually comes from his father's uh, computer repair store, like independent computer repair store in the eighties. Uh, which was called Mr. Robot, and, and Christian Slater's the dad. Gotcha. So, yeah. What are you reading? Uh, the book I'm reading right now, or at least starting again, is A Generous Orthodoxy by Brian McLaren. Oh, uh, great one. I you love know, that. I had tried to... Sh- yeah, I tried to start it before, but just got distracted. Wasn't able to dive into it like I wanted to based on the recommendations of people. Uh, so I'm hoping that now it'll give me something to be able to wind down from at the end of a long kettle day. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic one. And what's nice, I think, about that book uh, is that he has a way of, of writing very deep things in a very accessible way. So So you can feel like you're reading something smart, but you don't have to be like, so locked in like it actually can work at the end of a long kettle day so that's good yeah uh i just figured i just finished uh ta-nehisi coates's book uh water dancer um okay phenomenal i and i think you'd really get into it if i had to describe it i would say it combines abolitionism the underground railroad and uh superheroes oh, <laughs> which, yeah. That's right alley. <laughs> which you would not generally uh expect to be uh you know to be all in in one book but um but i i read uh i read his uh between the world and me um okay. which was a book to his son uh and so relevant at this at this stage that we find ourselves in as a culture, um, but then this one is is more of a uh, of a novel and uh, really really good, fantastic nice. book, The Water Dancer. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic combination of things. It's like he's a dentist, but he's an FBI agent. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Actually, I'm reading a book right now, another book about uh, the first SEALs. So it's the the forerunner to what became the Navy SEALs, and one of the guys is a dentist, and he became <laughs> one of the very first Navy SEALs. It, it's, it can't, it, it, you can't make that stuff up. I know. <laughs> you just tried to make it up, and it turns I out really it was a did. real story. It was an actual thing. <laughs> listen, Scott. Just listen to me. You listen to me. Listen, I gotta go do this report. Listen, listen. At ease. Listen up. Just listen up, man. Listen, I'm sorry. Listen to me. Listen to that. Yeah, listen, Walter. So you listen to me and you listen well. Uh, what are you listening to? Uh, right now, I've been getting pumped 
because in our house we are counting down the days for Frozen 2. And uh, we've been listening to a lot of Panic at the Disco uh, preparing for that. Um, Winter's been in this phase where she hasn't really wanted to watch Disney movies. She's wanting to watch all the Disney shorts. And so her favorite right now, uh, John Henry and uh, Lava. And so we've just been singing the songs from those two for for like the last two weeks. Because as you know, um, going through small children several times is that they don't listen to a lot of music. They just listen to the same thing a lot. (laughs) So yeah, that's where we are. We've been doing a lot of Disney, uh, which has been nice because one of the things we've been working on uh, at bedtime is playing the guitar to help the girls uh, get to sleep. And so now they got the songs they want daddy to learn to play. and, And it's been fun. Nice. I have been whistling a lot of uh, ABBA because uh, Sydney was just in Mamma Mia, uh, the school production of Mamma Mia. So I find myself just uh, randomly whistling, you know, Waterloo or uh, these random ABBA songs. But uh, the thing that's really sticking out uh, with me lately is Third Base, which was one of the early uh, hip-hop groups to, to have multiple races in in the same group. So MC Search and Pete Nice were these two white guys, and their, uh, their DJ, Daddy Rich. Um, they were sort of short-lived, and I, I went back after, after listening to a couple of their songs recently, I was like, what happened to these guys? Because I used to love them. And they had, you know, creative differences. One guy said it was because they cared about different things the other guy said they just couldn't stand living on a tour bus together but um but they broke up like 93 or something like that tried to get back together around 2000 (laughs) uh but i like their stuff a lot and uh and so it was it was in my my top songs playlist on spotify called eclecticity and uh and and third base came up so it's third base but the bass is spelled b-a-s-s yeah um <laughs> what's uh what's god saying to you right now you know uh we've been we, we had the privilege of having majors young and Sue kim uh come to the core and lead us in a holiness retreat for a weekend and we it kicked off a series for us for the month of of uh of, of november and we've really just been diving into not just what holiness is but what are some of our everyday threats to, to our personal holiness. Uh, this past Sunday, because it's been past Wednesday, actually, uh, it's been on my heart, this idea of what legalism uh, really means and how it impacts um, our holiness and other people's experience with us. And uh, I just keep having the same re- re- you know, repeated thought in my mind that holiness is chiefly about relationships, you know, our relationship with God and our, horizon- our horizontal relationships uh, with others. And, and this, this quote just keeps jumping in my mind. I don't know if I even ever saw it somewhere. It's kind of one of those things that I just see in front of me. And it says that uh, holiness is a journey and not a guilt trip. You know, th- th- this idea that if you're miserable in your pursuit of holiness, that um, you, you, I might be doing it wrong. So that, that's where that's what I've been hearing a lot recently. And Major Young Kim is certainly not miserable in his pursuit of holiness. What was the uh, what was the, the central Ohio reaction to uh, to Major Kim and his <laughs> teaching style? Oh, 
he, he received a very, very warm welcome. Uh, and, and Major Sue alluded to the idea that she didn't know what to expect when she was coming out. But the, the folks loved him. He did a great job. Um, he, he has a great background um, in, in Army history and in church history, which he just seamlessly incorporates. And the people loved it. They took tons of notes. They had a, He had a lot of material for them. And I'm not going to give any context to this next statement. I'm just going to say his pants are in my office. Very nice. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, uh, that's a great jumping off point to what God is saying to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my Bible reading for today, I'm, I'm nearly done with the, the uh, Nicky Gumbel um, U version through the Bible in a year. It's fantastic. Highly recommended. It gives a little devotional and then there's five or six readings. And if you do this every day on U version, you get through the entire Bible, but it's talking about how, um, how it's possible for us to be saved. And in, um, first Peter four twenty four, the message version, uh, Peter's answer is to point to Jesus. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. Um, and that was just a, a, a new expression on that, uh, you know, well-known scripture, um, taking it from that angle uh, and really, uh, really spoke to me as I was making my way through those verses today. So I was grateful yeah. for it. And I, lastly, what are you creating? Well, I got a couple things going on right now. There is a core in the Empire Division, one of our churches in upstate New York, uh, that, that needs some new mercy seats, uh, prayer benches, and we're getting some of those made up for them. And uh, I was actually doing that before I hopped on here, just finishing up some of the routing and edge work. Apart from that, you might be able to see in the background um, in our Skype video, there are a few guitars on the wall that I've made, and there's one that's just a guitar yeah, neck. Yeah, it looks like it's missing something there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a bass neck that I've finished up. Um, it's pretty cold in my garage, so I didn't want it to warp <laughs> out there, so I hung the neck up. I'm working on a bass right now uh, for, the, for the core for our church here, and um, hopefully I'll be able to finish that nice little maple body in the next few days. Got it. I would say uh, since we did that Deadlines podcast and then I let it sit for a month before posting it, uh, I am far more dialed in uh, and inspired to do this. No, actually, though, going through the outside worship interview, I was reminded of why I wanted to do this podcast so badly. It's just what a fascinating conversation with incredible people. And that was really the goal. That was the thing that that inspired me to do this in the first place. So, um, you know, just doubling down the uh, the efforts to, to do that and to schedule interviews and get some people on this. Um, and then at, at work, I finally have a graphic designer to uh, back me up. And I am not a graphic designer by trade, so it is wonderful to see this guy work. Um, he's fitting in uh, fantastically. He's just a little bit weird, um, so that is perfect. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he went home the other day, and, and uh, he was worried about a problem with, uh, with the gas at home. And um, he said as he was sitting there checking his furnace, um, a mouse just walked out from under the, under the furnace and died in front of him. <laughs> and, oh, that's very dramatic. And that was his lunch break from work on like day number three of this new job. And then he came back and shared that story with us. And I was like, that's the guy I want to hang around. I mean, it was, you know, that's right. it was good stuff. So uh, I think we'll get into this first part of the outside worship uh, interview. 
And, um, and then we'll be back next week with part two, uh, trying to keep these bite-sized enough so that uh, we'll keep the listeners coming back for more. And we had five whopping downloads to that last episode we did, so I'm psyched for this. This should, you know, there it can go. only go up. Sky's the, sky's the limit. <laughs> So this podcast is with Terrell Houston, because um, Phil turned me down so he would do the podcast with me. I gotta write a musical. Uh. Okay, so. Which he has, just to validate that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what yeah. I've heard is, is good. It's really good. So he's been doing Was it. the prodigal song you sang last night from the musical? I wish. No, that's oh, okay. by Jonathan Melissa Houser. Okay. It's an amazing song. Did you like that? I did. Yeah, it's a great song. You mean Jonathan David and Melissa Houser? So just choose a like, name. It sound like three people. Jonathan, Jonathan David, and Melissa Houser. <laughs> One of them has a split personality. All right. We are here with Outside Worship, Anna Street, and Marty Michaels, and Phil Lager. And Outside Worship is more than just a music group, per se. Um, it's about a lot of things. And it's about the phase of life that you guys find yourselves in after... Uh, quite a few years of doing this after uh, several different groups that you've been a part of. So tell us about um, what is different about outside worship and what you're trying to accomplish with outside worship. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we, we have known each other for more than half of our lives, yeah. which is a, a really cool thing. A long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because with the, we're like family in, in, in some regards, um, a little too close sometimes, <laughs> but uh, we've all kind of, you know, kind of been on this, this path, this journey of, uh, of, you know, being musicians, but more than that, being worshipers, and um, we've all kind of have, have a history with each other and kind of independently as well of being involved in leading worship, and um, at this particular stage in our lives, like... Um, we all kind of found ourselves kind of geographically back in the same area and um, felt like God was calling us to do something um, about, you know, getting back in each other's lives and doing it uh, in a way that, um, like, it, it builds us up, each other, but also it's an inclusive thing where other people are kind of brought into it too. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that 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 was birthed... Uh, just out of some really amazing you know, prophetic prayer times and um, things like that. But it, it led from that into a little bit of kind of what we want to see uh, and, and, and do in enabling other people to be able to join in this community. So maybe you can talk about That's great, kind man. of where that, where that goes, you know, I don't know. That's great, Marty. That's good. No, yeah, we, 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 everything Marty just said and, uh, we, so that was like a year ago now. Has it been? Is it yeah, a, little more than a, year. a little more than a year ago? Um, like Mari said, we we've all been in each out of each other's lives for quite a while and doing worship leading on our own with other groups. Um, I feel like, I feel like we all have this um, just really high value on the power of spirit and truth worship um, mm-hmm. and. We really just believe that that God, um, obviously, all of life is worship. We understand that. We believe that. But um, just something special about um, the people of God coming together um, and 
just in the short time this, that this incarnation of our ministry together has happened. We've seen some amazing things and been a part of just, um, you know, uh, worship as part of weekends and retreats. But we also have a, a heart to encourage other worship leaders, other uh, up-and-coming worship artists. Uh, we call ourselves a collective, and as Marty mentioned, we are inclusive about including other people. Um, and, yeah, just building up people. We feel sort of, I guess, that all of us have come from sort of a, uh, not that we didn't have mentors ourselves growing up, or, but in the area of worship leadership, um, particularly in the Salvation Army, all three of us growing up in that. We didn't really have a lot of people showing us what to do, showing us how to do it, being with us, holding our hands along the way. Um, so do, do you think out. mentoring is difficult in worship leading? I mean, I feel like people get to a certain point where musically they're capable to actually play mm -hmm. their instrument mm -hmm. and sing in front of a group, right? right? And then they get to the point where they can select you know, different songs and create sets that kind of speak to a, a scriptural topic or whatever. Mm. But why is it difficult to mentor people in, in worship leading? I think the context is probably the answer to that. Like uh, in the Salvation Army, it's, it's still kind of a you know, relatively new thing, um, this whole contemporary worship thing. I know, you mean, we can argue back and forth what's contemporary and what's not, and and whatever, but like they're just when you know when we were kind of getting started in our twenties, like there just weren't people who who were doing what what we wanted to be doing. So it was at least around to mentor you at that point. Well, yeah, and I mean we had, we did have like Phil said, we had a lot of people who were who were pouring into us, um, you know, sometimes but not showing but, us how to showing us how to do. Yeah, like the nuts and bolts things. of of this particular thing. Yeah. I feel like most worship leaders kind of find their way in the dark. That they, they kind of have to make their own path. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's changing. I, mean, I think that's change that's changing in the generation that we're in right now. You yeah. know, and um, back to the mentoring thing, I feel like it's really important. Um, and yeah, there's so many things as a worship leader that you're trying to manage and you're you're thinking about, and they, it it is a it's a much bigger responsibility than it looks like from a congregational standpoint, right? Because you are thinking about all those things that you mentioned. But also, like you, like you're leading people to the throne room of God. Like that's that is that's a fertile ground for discipleship, you know. And so I think that that we all share that heart now that we're a little bit older. <laughs> like more we, experience, more experience. yeah. There's this quote. There's this quote that I heard once. Like be be wait. I've, I've seen it on somebody's wall. Be the person that you needed when you, or yeah, something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. be be the person that you needed when you were younger, or something mm -hmm. like that. And I think that we all share that heart um, of wanting to be, like, spiritual mothers and fathers to the next generation of those that share this burning heart and desire to, to worship and to do so with excellence, and but also just, like, with a, a deepening, ever-deepening relationship with God, because that that, as we know, is... That's really what lead people, like true worshipers, like create worshipers because of their, um, because you want to walk in the dust of people that are actually walking with Jesus. So um, we want to, we just want to be people that are building up, um, building up the, the younger generation um, of these worship leaders. And that's just, I know that there's a lot of people in the, in the world and country doing that right now because that there is a massive shift happening in that, but we want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, that, that's all. So. 
And I think there are a lot of people who look up to all three of you because of your experience, because of your excellence, which you mentioned. Um, over time, how have you sort of wrestled with this thing about musicianship versus leading people into the spirit? Like, does the, does the excellence in musicianship ever hinder the spirit? Have you ever had experiences like that as you've been leading people in worship? I've never had an experience where my excellence has hindered anybody in worship. I have had, I've had experiences where my where my view of my excellence has, the the, the way I've used it has hindered people because I, I am it's about the excellence and it's not about the spirit. So um, so definitely, um, you know, one of the biggest things is knowing when to play and when not to play and and that and um, like definitely I think I, I think all three of us have a healthy view of that embrace of excellence musically but realizing you know just do your best um it was my, one of my favorite lines of all time is by keith green just keep doing your best pray that it's blessed and he'll take care of the rest and just doing what you know preparing every every like anna said there's lots of different hats you're wearing and just making sure that uh you have your um yeah all of those you know that you just do what you you referenced something about knowing when to play and when not to play. What do you mean by that? Can you say more about that? Yeah. There, um, yeah, well, just because you, I mean, I think it's about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit because we believe that the Holy Spirit is, wants to, that God wants to actually meet with us. In the, like, we believe that it's, it's not just something we're doing, going through the motions every Sunday, that the Lord has a word for us, that he has something he wants to do in our hearts, in our midst as a people every time we meet together. Um, we don't always know what it is, but, and we, I feel like just being obedient and just trying, just being submitted to God and saying, like, I know when I'm playing piano, like, I'm, uh, we go through and we do our rehearsal, how's this song going to go? But then when we go into times of, um, you know, like, okay, what's God doing right now? What's he want to say? Then I, my heart has to be like sort of paying attention to that and saying, okay, well, and you know, my heart is in my body and my body and my hands are connected so mm. it's just about feeling that out and you know being prepared so that when I feel like God's saying this or Lord's moving that way it's almost like jazz in, in a sense in, in the, just a little bit like jazz I'm not a jazz musician <laughs> but in that sense that you're just paying attention to what's happening in the moment. and do you guys feel like because you have been involved in worship leading ministry for so long together you know, it's not been like continuous for the past 20 years, but you have a deep history together. Do you feel like you you have that ability to communicate like music? Are there musical cues you do when the spirit is saying something to you? Like how do, how do Phil, how do you tell Marty or, or you know, how do you? Well, I know you don't tell Anna anything. True right? <laughs> <laughs> that. No, I, I there is this. I don't know. There's because we have this long standing relationship. I think they're, you know, just purely musically speaking, um, sometimes it just kind of makes sense where I, I feel like I know where Phil's going to go or Phil will know where I'm going to go. And, and I think that um, that is probably a deeper result of, you know, relationship than anything else, um, just because there's been a lot of time invested in that. Uh, and even when, you know, even when we were continents apart, um, you know, there, we, we had already developed to some degree, like, you know, um, an understanding of, of 
you know how we work musically speaking, and so, yeah. which makes it a lot easier to, to you know. I think there's a lot to be said for yeah, yeah. spend the time that we've spent yeah. together in yeah. any worship team. Yeah. And it helps that it says that's. I mean, it's it sounds kind of mystical or not. It's not even mystical. That's not the right word, but it's it's like there are times where like I just kind of can can figure out where Phil's going. Like where I can almost read not like read his mind, but. Well, no, I mean yeah. there are certain musical cues, right? You can hear it in yeah. the in the pressure, in the speed. You can you can hear it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then also the fact that you you have known each other for a long time. But then you also have this other element, which is you don't have a bass player in the group and you don't have a drummer in the group, and so you kind of oh, yeah. uh, draft people, um, you know, where yeah. you are. That's part of this yeah. collective thing. Yeah. Um, so how how do you work with? Obviously, you try to find musicians that you feel like. Are at the level where they can keep up with you, but then that whole spiritual thing is is a different thing when you're playing with a different drummer this weekend than you were playing two weekends yeah. ago, yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think that we're I mean we're working that out as we go along, but this I mean it's it's definitely a part of what God's called us to do is to collaborate with people and to speak like we've I mean honestly like every place that we've been we've been able to like pray over yeah. people and. Um, like the musicians that have joined us and we've just been, you know, we, we want to just be a place of encouragement for them. And so that's just a side note, but like in terms of like the musical cues and stuff like that, I mean, we're, we're, we're learning all of this working together in this stage of life. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're very much just learning as we go. And I think that that's something that we're trying to work out even now. And uh, like something that I don't know, it is sort of mystical. It, it like, because, because like um, there is a level of obviously like great musical proficiency, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's also a level of trust, like a deep a deep level of trust, and we just kind of like trade off a lot of yeah. times, you know. And um, I think in some re- in some <laughs> in some ways it's easier for those for the for the two of them to do that because of their instruments too, and like. Um, so I'm, I'm still honestly trying to figure out my place in that, but usually I'm just like, but what I'm learning as, and this may, you know, somebody may need to hear this, that listens to this podcast at some point, but like as a singer, um, like I'm worshiping no matter what I'm worshiping, whether I'm in the microphone or whether I'm off the microphone, it doesn't matter. And so like, I feel like my presence there and, and me being a worshiper because God has called me a worshiper and I want to just do that with all of my heart, no matter what, like I, I have no problem backing off, you know, I have no problem just like letting this play out, um, and just going there with the Holy spirit. And then I'm, I'm personally just to be transparent, like working on having the confidence to just, you know, um, go there when I feel led because yeah. I don't have the instrument to help me lead the way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. I was actually going to say, I think maybe to even trans, uh, transition into um, maybe the more like worship leading side of things, as opposed to like the, the, the musical side of things, like you were talking about, sure. um, mm-hmm. is that one of the things that I, I'm really starting to um, admire and respect about what Anna does is that she's kind of got this um, a little bit of like a bird's eye view sometimes um, yeah, it's a little bit of an inside joke, I guess, but, uh, not, not joke, but inside thing with Jesus. where, yeah, with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, how like there are times where like, we, we just, um, and, and I don't I won't speak for Phil, but, um, I know that like, I'm just, I'm blown away sometimes where I, when she just knows the right thing to say and she knows the right time to, uh, 
you know, when to offer like a prayer or a word or something. Um, and that, that is really cool to watch, like, and to know that almost in the same way, like musically when knowing when to play or when not to play, it's the same thing kind of when, when she's just in that zone when we're all in that zone. A lot of times, like we, uh, you know, trust her with that too, because like she's, she's tuned in and like, she's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's really important, actually, yeah. what, you, what Anna was saying about, like, she's always, like, sometimes I think as instrumentalists, it's easy to, as vocalists slash instrumentalists, it's kind of gets, we, we kind of go, like, when I'm leading a song, like, when I don't have to sing for a song or whatever, sometimes I sort of get, okay, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm in here now, like, you know, I'm in, it's all worship, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of it, but there's a definitely, you're more exposed you know, up there. Yeah, yeah. you don't have anything to hide behind. <laughs> and it's more, yeah, right. Yeah. And so we, yeah. I can right. just sort of like sink into my instrument sometimes. But um, I funny. wish I could, but that's yeah. part of my faith journey. It's yeah. like, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. What do I do with my hands? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let it go. So I'm fascinated by the continuum that creatives exist on, right? That there are some creatives who are very artistic, and some would say, you know, have a hard time kind of like doing anything practical or surviving in the world. Um, <laughs> Phil just put his hand up for, uh, for those at home. Um, and, then, and then at the other end are like pragmatic creatives, right? Like, um, you know, people who can create things that will stand on their own. I'm like amazed at people who can, you know, take some tools and make something that will actually, you know, because uh, everything I build tends to fall over. Um, <laughs> So where do you guys kind of, I, I, you know, I've known Phil for, the long, for a long time and know him probably better than, uh, I definitely know him better than, than the other two of you. I know where Phil falls on the, on the continuum. I'm where, on it, like, where is outside Anna talked about her faith continuum. journey. Well, my creative journey is from the, the ultimate, like, the first one you described, and I'm, I'm walking towards the pragmatic. I'm, <laughs> that's my, that's where I'm walking, so... I think you're better off than you think you are on that. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Well, thanks. A little word of encouragement for you, buddy. Thanks. I was fishing for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Where are you guys? I, I don't know. I mean, Anna, you did some some work in theater that yeah. required you to show up to an office in a. Yeah. Corporate headquarters yeah. building, um, which does not feel artistic <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, how, how did it feel to be in that sort of structured, straight line? I have to be careful how I answer that on this podcast, <laughs> Drew. <laughs> He's setting you up. That was not a comfortable environment for me. I'm much more comfortable, and I've now I've learned, like, and not that God didn't use that. He absolutely did. Like, that was a really important season of my life. And it was an, a very interesting place to be in a creative position in that environment, for sure. But um, I don't know. I just feel set. I feel God's kindness so, like, tangibly in being able to do this in this way because there's a freedom that um, that I think I've been longing for for a long time and being able to create and to not have to do that with all the all bunch of strings attached. So. Um, hope that's okay to say out loud, but no, absolutely. I mean, Phil. Yeah. I observed Phil for years as he 
struggled with these jobs that wanted him to come and sit at a desk when really all he ever wanted to do was sit at a keyboard. Uh, yeah. Our desks were actually near each other right. when the youth and music departments were together in the South Shore, Massachusetts. And, yeah. and Phil used to roll in in whatever he was wearing, and there was a closet across the hall from our office where Phil would keep a shirt, his, <laughs> his like office shirt, and it had a collar, and he would go in there and put his, his office shirt on, oh, and that. then before he left, he would put the shirt back in that closet because it needed to be there so the next time that. he rolled in. I forgot about that. That's wow, just, come a long way, man. <laughs> yeah, you've gotten rid of all your collar shirts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The plight of the artist. Where are you, Marty? Yeah, Marty. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> rehash that question for me. Re, 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 well, it back. So to so some artistic. So there's so there's this continuum of creative people, right. right? And I would put like engineers and architects at this pragmatic end of the spectrum, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because their creativity ends up resulting in something that often is like on a grid and yeah. it's functional and it's practical yeah. and all of that, but it is creative. Mm -hmm. And then at the other end, you have the, the very artistic side, right? right. Um, where oftentimes people will say like, they're, they're so into their, their art. I don't know how they still, you know, have a mortgage and, and oh, yeah. you know, pay their bills on time and, and things like that. And some of yeah. us have to, you know, marry into, uh, you know, that kind of <laughs> pragmatism. So we'd be able to survive, but like, yeah, no, totally. I think I, I think I'm, I, I'm definitely less pragmatic, I think, um, but but I do. I mean, I think strictly speaking, uh, when it comes to creativity, when you're making something out of nothing that that could stand on its own, like I'm trying to think, you know, how would that actually work uh, in terms of what I do. If I'm writing a song, I write the song, it's finished, and somebody else can sing it and make it their own, and it's done. Then I guess that would be a pragmatic thing. Uh, but I I have a um, I kind of have a little bit of a hard time imagining anything that I write or create uh, that wouldn't have me involved in it. You know what I mean? So I, that's that's why I think I'm a little more on the on the less lesser pragmatic. Sort of I thing. feel like you. You can tell me if I'm completely mistaken, but I feel like Marty um, is like you, you're a songwriter, but you also are actually very qualified and adept at uh, like sound stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, recording things uh, and that whole process, and that's actually something that's really good for our, our, our group. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's, that's true, I guess, now that I think about it, but, like, like you, just, you know, you when did I did an EP this, this past year, that, like, yeah. and, like, from start to finish, you, like, it was something tangible for you. Yeah, so, and I guess, I guess, to, yeah. To yeah, a certain extent, of, that does stand on its own. At the end of the day, you need somebody to to yeah. set the levels and to you know, especially yeah. in the different rooms that you're in and stuff like that. Every group needs somebody mm -hmm. who can who can do that well, and that's Marty for for you guys. Oh yeah, that's Marty totally. So I, I don't know. Does that make me in the middle of that? Continue well, and, and I think at different points in our <laughs> life or at different yeah. places, you know, and, and then you think about some of the great artists, you know, Michelangelo, in, incredibly artistic, inspired, all of that stuff, but like in order to create the Sistine Chapel, there's also got to be this grid mentality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, I see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some people just blow up the scale, right? Yeah. Um, but, mm. so you are all mothers and fathers. How has uh, parenting changed your uh, your creativity? How has it changed your worship leading? How has it changed, you know? Um, oh, oh, man, there's so many ways to answer that question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, from a... From, from a creativity standpoint, there's there's like this whole new 
uh, set of, of views. You know, there's there's this we have something that actually, you know, uh, inspires us and, and tangibly, like I, I can I can reach out and touch it. You know, um, but I think as I don't know, as far as like actually as a working you know self employed person now it's kind of one of those things where you know if I don't go out and and do the thing that that people are willing to pay me to do uh, then we're gonna have a hard time keeping the lights on at home you know and so there's so many dynamics into try and figuring out how to make make it all work you know um, so yeah family dynamics and and how to keep up with our blessed calendars you know that's always a fun thing but being a being a husband and a, a dad is for sure like that's that's totally helped me reshape ministry and yes. all that there's, I don't know, that's, there's, well, there's so many it's so cliche to say that you don't know until you have kids you know how God views you as his child but it's absolutely true you know, oh, it's yeah, cliche. Like, well you've written about that Oh yeah, yeah. I've written about it, uh, but it, I've written about it for sure. But I think even just in the past <coughs> year and a half to, or two, like just the the fatherhood of God and Him being pleased with me as His son um, has really changed the way I worship um, on stage in front of like in front. It's it's. I feel like it's freed me up uh, to be myself. A lot of times, I don't know how you get so like a lot of times. For a lot, I've been leading worship for several years now, and as you mentioned, we were kind of groping in the dark, figuring out what what we're doing. Um, for me, like a performance mentality, sort of, um, I don't know if that's how I grew up or whatever, just sort of uh, defined a lot of my worship leading, where I felt like I had to be had to be perfect, had to be in this way, you know, how I looked on stage, you know, what I did on stage, and just had to be a certain way, and just like the smile of God, my Father, on me, allowing me to. Um, walk around the stage, allowing me to turn my back on the audience, allowing, you know, uh, and not that I'm not, don't care about them, but they're not my part. Like I'm leading them and we're all have a heavenward fatherly gaze. Yeah. Um, like it's just freaked me up um, to, to do that. Like God's, God's fatherhood. And you can, being a father, you know, you see, you're like, how could I ever, you know, my kids upset me sometimes, but there's nothing they can do that's going to, you know, and if I'm like that, then, yeah. It also makes me think about, like, um, again, going back to this whole creativity thing, because that's what this is all about. Like, um, it, it kind of, it, it's it's helped me uh, probably in the last five or so years to understand, you know, like, when one of my children would, would make something, you know, when my daughter scribbles this little drawing on a piece of paper, and she brings it to me, it's, it, totally excited to show it to me, you know, now look what I did, Daddy, you know, and then when you look at it, like, it's like, oh, okay, let's explain this. What am I looking at? You know, but you know, she's so excited. She's so into it. And, and is that how you so, do it? Is that, is, are you like, explain this? <laughs> so, well, sometimes that yeah. grace, but I mean, yeah, how many times? Cause yeah. my move is, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Tell me about it. Well, yeah, no, no. I like help me to help. I want to know what she's was thinking. Like when she created this and I want to make sure I'm, I'm hearing or, or experiencing. Yeah. Cause the worst what is when you're like, wanted. wow, what a pretty picture of a sunset yeah, on the beach. Like, no, that's a bowling ball. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. But like it just, it, it's, it's helped me to like def define uh, or help. It's for me anyway, uh, to help like understand that the father's pleasure over what we make 
and create. Um, and it, it, it could be totally for for anything. Uh, if you know, um, like you know, when my daughter brings that to me, uh, it ends up on the refrigerator. Like we're gonna display this now, and it's and it's not because we think it's just some masterpiece, you know, amazing piece of art, but no, it's actually a piece of her heart that she put on paper. And then we end up like, we want to display that and we want to see it and be reminded of it. And I think that that's one of the things for me that I've learned is that God does the same thing with us. Like he, he, he sees what we give him as like this thing. And, and maybe sometimes, maybe we don't have to explain it to him obviously because he would know, but, um, it's just that it's 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 feeling the father's pleasure, feeling you know uh, over um, what it is that he's like he's given us the ability to do something, and when we bring it back to him, like we can like almost feel that smile over us, you know. And, I've, and like, I've learned that. Um, I mean, what I'm hearing is a lot of experience and a lot of maturity yeah. in leading worship because I think when we lead worship, there are so many things that we're thinking about. Oh, how are the older folks in the congregation going to oh, yeah. take this song? Oh, yeah. how are the younger folks in the congregation? Is this song too fast? Is this song too slow? And and yet, I think that with how long you guys have been leading worship and the spot that you're at right now, you are actually sort of past a lot of that stuff and into the place where I'm sure a lot of worship leaders would like to get, you know. Um, but, but for a lot of us, especially if it's where the we're the worship leader on a Sunday morning. It's been a frenetic rush just to get to the to the platform to lead worship, um, and and then getting into a spot where you can really be. You know, it's a little bit easier in a weekend environment. You're at a retreat, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. But getting into a spot where you know after you've after you've made the the waffles or the pancakes or whatever is this Sunday you know thing, and then uh, for for us it's driving forty minutes into church, and then yeah. you know getting all the equipment set up and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's like, man, I wish I could get to the point where I'm really worrying about an audience of one most Sundays. Cause most of the time I'm just worried about, did I remember to plug the amp in? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the discipline. Yeah. That's the spiritual discipline oh. of it. Right. And I think that that's, you know, it's being talked about more and more now. Um, but I had a really good thought. What happened to it? Hold on. Um, <laughs> No, I was just thinking about, um, I was connecting, sorry, this might, I don't think it's a rabbit trail, it's connecting two things, but I just love that our kids get to watch us go through that process and wrestle yeah. with that, you know, as well. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like um, if we are <sighs> joyfully doing, like, I know that I feel this way. I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I have a hunch. <laughs> um, but I believe that, like, we were created to do this. Like, this is what, this is part of why God put me on the earth is to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor. And I know that I hear everything that you're saying. And um, I know that there's so so much of life. But if we, like, it's a, it's the spiritual discipline of making that the number one priority is that I'm coming to this as it's an honor and my kids, like my, my daughter, our kids, you know, I see their kids as part of my family too. Like they get to see, when they get to see it, like see us do that. And it is an honor and it's our calling. Like we're also speaking into them and their lives and their calling. So I don't know if I'm taking this way too deep, but that's sort of my deal. Like that's what I do. But like (laughs) that, (laughs) shut up.